Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Listen, I just wanted to introduce myself, if this is uh, your first time here, uh, Minister Bonnie Williams. It is a privilege to preach the Word of God. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Do you guys have a good Thanksgiving? All right. So we're going to start off because there's a debate up in our house, and I really, really hope I win this debate, so you all really need to help me, okay? All right. So the debate is, and I'm sure that many of you guys have it, does the Christmas tree go up before Thanksgiving? Oh, no. (laughs) You guys are supposed to help me out. I can't believe it. Don't you say a word. (laughs) I am a firm believer that the Christmas tree goes up as soon as October 31st is out the door. I'm just letting y'all know. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that wasn't very Christian-like, was it? Sorry. (laughs) I don't ever think it's too late to give jokes, even though Thanksgiving has passed. So if y'all don't mind, I'm going to give you guys a couple of my favorites. So do you know what happened when the turkey got into a fight? It got the stuffing knocked out of it. Why did the turkey bring a microphone? Because he was ready to roast it. I appreciate you all. Well, Pastor, Pastor John already talked about and thanked everybody for the capital campaign, for what God did on Commitment Sunday. He certainly talked about Advent and the importance of us uh, lighting the Advent uh, candle, the candle of hope, uh, the hope that what was and the hope that is to come. Amen? So just so that you know, the goal of preaching is to put God in your hearts. And I am not able to do that in my own strength or my own ability. Amen? So what we're going to do is we are going to pray together and we are going to let God have his way in this place. Is there anybody in the house that's willing to let God have his way in the house today? God does not make mistakes. It is not a coincidence that you are here. So as this word was crafted and prepared, whatever it is that God has for you, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Father God, your word tells us that all scripture is God-breathed, that it's profitable for instruction, that, Father God, your word convicts us of sin, that it gives us correction, Father God, in the areas where we are not being obedient. Father God, it trains us for righteousness for the man or the woman of God so that we can be complete and outfitted and fully equipped for every good work. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for ministering to us today. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, last week, Pastor John concluded the sermon series, Shining the Light, together. And in his message, he talked about how the men and women of this particular church back in 1888 built this church. And he said that he believed that when they built it, they were thinking about us. And I would say that that is true because if you look around, God is still doing a great work in Hope Elam. And I don't think, amen. I don't think that it was any coincidence that God allowed me to sit by my good friend, Julie. Wave your hand, Julie. There's Julie. While Pastor John was preaching, she leaned over and she was laughing and she said, I got to tell you, she said, my grandmother Lois <laughs> started coming into this building in the 1960s and she said, I would love to tell you that my sister and I were coming willingly, but no, she had to drag us into church. And she said, there was one occasion that during communion, they acted up so badly that her hope was that Grandmother Lois would say, forget this, I don't want to bring him anymore, but she said that was not the case. She said Grandmother Lois was stubborn, and she believed that if you train up a child in the way they should go, that when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And so then she gave a glory. She gave a praise. Amen? And she said, look at me. She said, 40-some years later, I'm walking into the doors of hope Elam Fellowship Church. Amen? And that God has now done a work in me and nobody has to drag me in. She said, I am here because I want to be because of all the love and the fellowship happening in this place. Can we give God some praise? <laughs> Don't make me see you having to be dragged in here. Okay. We're beginning a new sermon series today, and it's called Revealing the Light. And we are in the book of Revelation. I said to Pastor John, I said, sure, sure. Let me be stuffed with all the turkey, all the stuffing, all the greens, all the mashed potatoes, and then you send me up today, and I'm the one that gets to talk about the apocalypse. So I'm here to tell you I'm a little bit sleepy, but I'll stick to my notes and we be good, okay? <laughs> so apocalypse now. Let's take a look. The book of Revelation in the New Testament has the literal title in Greek, the Apocalypse of John. The word apocalypse literally means revelation. The book of Revelation is the revealing of who Jesus is. It is that which is uncovered, and it comes from a Greek word, Greek, Greek, <laughs> Greek word, which literally means to pull the lid off of something. Now, in order for me to help us kind of lay a foundation uh, of an overarching understanding of the book of Revelations, we are going to go ahead and take a look. What is the book of Revelation about? Now, this is a lot, so stick with me. The entire book is the revelation, the revealing, the uncovering of who Jesus is to us. The good news is this, he is revealing himself through this book to bless us, to encourage us, but also to warn the church of things to come in the last days. Have you guys, you know, guys ever have uh, the map quest on your phone? Have you guys ever taken a trip and the woman will say, there is a speed trap up ahead. Can I tell you how grateful and thankful that I am in my challenger that it says there is a speed trap up ahead. <laughs> 
Because that's what it is. God is saying, I love you so much that through the revealing of who Jesus is and the days to come, he does not want us to be taken by surprise. Amen? This is a revelation of Jesus, not revelations of Jesus. It is one revelation, and the interpretive key, okay, to the entire book is found in the Old Testament. The focus of this book is not the Antichrist. It is not the mark of the beast. It is not the angels. It is not the judgments to come. It is Jesus. Woo! All right. There are those who say that the book can be summarized in one phrase, things to come. And in light of those things to come, the book has two overarching goals. Like I stated before, to bless, encourage, and warn Christians to anchor their hope in Jesus. Why do we need to anchor our hope in Jesus? Because as times become more evil, as the rebellion against God becomes more prevalent, it is going to be <clears throat> harder and harder to be able to stay faithful to what God has called us to do without Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. He is our living hope. And so also, we want to challenge, he's challenging the church to share the good news with, G, uh, with those who are unbelievers because when that day comes and those who are found not believing, those who are found having rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, the time for them is complete. And so it is a warning to the churches to say, listen, it is so important that what God has called us, that everything that we've got, right? John said, everything we've got, bring it. Let us be the church while we can be the church because somebody's life is depending on us being the church. Our text today is Revelation 1, it's verses 1 through 8, but I felt led by the Holy Spirit to also include verse 9. And the reason why is because in verse 9, it tells us about the servant John, whom God specifically chose to go through all of the suffering and everything that he had to endure for the sake of being given this revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, is there anybody in the house today that all through your life you can look back and you can see mamas and grandmothers and fathers and people that you love that remained faithful to the ministry, faithful to Jesus Christ, and was able to encourage you to live out your life for him? I know that I have. Anybody else? Yeah, amen. So let's take a look at that verse. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering. He's speaking to the churches and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to what Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus Christ. So if God chose John by design to be a, a lighthouse, a, a beacon of hope for others, for those specific people in the first century that had come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and they were suffering. They were being persecuted uh, in their time for their belief in Jesus Christ. And I can only imagine that when they received those letters, how grateful and thankful they were for John being the faithful servant. Amen? Amen. 
And can I tell you this? If he was chosen to be a beacon of hope, if you are a believer, then you've been chosen to be a beacon of hope too. And he has chosen us to be a beacon of hope in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, every single place that your feet take you. God is calling you to be a beacon of hope because, can I tell you, there is a war raging over people's souls. Did y'all know that? There is a spiritual war raging over those that have yet to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants to use us like he used John. If anyone understands the importance of receiving encouragement and hope in the midst of all of life's ugly twists and turns and the things that God allows us to go through is John. And what I want to do, if you guys will just let me, I want to paint a picture of his humanity because I think that when we read the scripture, sometimes it feels somewhat detached, right? We, we hear about the servant John, but did you all know that John was an ordinary man? That John had a life, that he had a mother and a father and family, and he had a business. So I just want to share with you a little, about, a little bit about John so that you can understand who God chose for this assignment. John met Jesus after a very long night of fishing with him, uh, his friends, Peter, Thomas, and Nathaniel. They had been fishing all night, and they caught nothing. Now, John was very familiar with the trade because he lived in a small town of Bethsaida on the West Sea of Galilee. His father, Zebedee, and his mother, Salome, and he also had a brother, James. In fact, they were in the fishing business with their father. That very next morning when they caught absolutely nothing, Jesus arrives on the scene. This is a stranger to John. John does not know who Jesus is. And John says to these men, hey, have you caught anything? I say, yeah, unfortunately, no, we haven't, bro. We haven't caught a, a darn thing. And so the very first time Jesus introduces to John an opportunity to build trust and to build faith, and he says, listen, he said, if you'll trust me, if you'll trust me, he said, I want you to do what I tell you to do, and I want you to throw your nets on the other side. Now, if you understand anything about that, about the fishing business, they knew that that was not the time of the day that fish would be ready to be caught. When you really want to catch fish, you fish at night. So can you just imagine John standing there and saying, who is this dude? Here he is telling me to throw my net on the other side, but he seems so confident. He seems so sure. So he makes the decision and he throws the net on the other side. And guess what? Over 150 fish ended up being caught in that net. And I'm here to tell you, when the times that God speaks to you and he tells you to do something that doesn't make sense, there is something that God is trying to do in you and through you for the benefit of other people. Can you imagine how many people those 150 fish fed, and so if they would have not made the decision to throw that net over to trust him, those folks would have gone hungry. What is God calling you to step into so that God can use you to feed someone else's need? Hmm. John's decision to trust Jesus led to a very, very close friendship. As a matter of fact, Jesus allowed him all the way into his heart to the point where when he was on the cross, 
and he had his beloved mother Mary. He looked at John and he said, John, I want you to take care of my mother. Why am I sharing this with you? Because I want you to understand that all of what we're reading, all of what we're learning to understand, all of it is all about relationship with Jesus. This is not form. This is not religion. It's relationship. And so John agreed and he took care of his mother. John remained active and he continued to preach until he actually became the last survivor of Jesus Christ's disciples. And at that time, the enemies wanted to shut down his testimony. So what did they do? They sent him into trial. They sent him to the Roman emperor at that time. And the Roman emperor said, you know what? He said, we're going to exile you to the island of Patmos because there I'll be able to shut you up. But I'm here to tell you something. When God's got a plan for your life, when God makes the decision that he chose you to do what God has called you to do, there is no power, no authority that could ever stop the testimony that you have about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Or oh, somebody ought to give me an amen. We can see by John's life's experiences that when God chooses us, he's going to let us go through hardships. And that is not easy to hear. For some of us in here, we're further along down the road in our relationship and our walk with God. And we're like, yeah, I, I got you, sis. I know all about that. For others, you are just coming into your relationship with Christ. And it's still that part where Jesus is saying, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Come and serve me. <laughs> And what I'm trying to get at is that God in the process, he's never, ever, ever going to put something on you that he will not prepare you for in advance. If he chose you, he's preparing you. And he will cover you and fill you and, and send people to support you. So I'm here to tell you, I don't care where you're at, don't you ever give up on God. And you know what else we find in our suffering? Jesus. You know, necessarily in our good times, I can't speak for you, but when things are good, I'm like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> Old Bonique was got that. I do my little walk, right? I got that. But what happens when something happens with my child? What happens when I lose a job? What happens when I'm in a situation that is outside my control and it is bringing suffering into my life? Can I tell you who I go to? Jesus. Because I recognize and know that, that, that things are going to be outside of my control. And only Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, is going to be able to give me what I need to make it to the next step. In fact, let's take a look at the word. And I'm here to tell you whether we want to hear it or not. God is all about telling us like it is. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's take a look at it. The promise of suffering. No, no, she didn't. Yes, yes, I did. In fact, it says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, not maybe, will be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted because the enemy of your soul, the enemy of God, 
does not want you to be able to take the testimony, to take what God is doing in your life and bless somebody else with it. He wants to persecute you so that he can try to do everything he can to shut you down. And we have to make sure that we understand that it is in our suffering that he trains us to die to self. Because in order for something to live, something's got to die. In our suffering, we learn how to look less to ourselves. We learn how to look less to who we are. And what do we do? We look to who Jesus is. And that's why we want revelation in our life. That's why we want God to reveal the light in our life. Because it's not we, it is him. And if you've ever been in a situation where Jesus has done what only Jesus can do, somebody up in this mug would be giving him a hand clap of praise. I remember when I was, I was in a situation and I, I needed to leave an extremely abusive situation. I had no job, no money in the bank. And I heard his voice because I was in relationship. I had a relationship with my Lord and Savior. And he said, Bonnie, it's time for you to go. Well, how am I going to do that? <laughs> I have no money. I have no job. So I get in my car and I begin to drive around. And I'm just, just listening to the Holy Spirit. And no kidding, I hear drive down the street. And I drive down the street and I see a sign for, for rent. And I remember saying out of my mouth, you're going to have to touch the heart of the person who's going to rent because, <laughs> Larry, who's going to rent to somebody with no job and no money? Come, come on now. Yeah, not going to happen. I walk up the driveway. I come into the place, and this lady looks at me. She says, hi, honey. <laughs> you want to look at the place? So I look at it, and I fill out the application. And she takes the application, and she goes, um, Yeah. You, you don't have a job, you, you don't have any money. How are we going to do this? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. Because I was hurting so badly that I didn't have an answer. I don't know. I get home, I get a call, and this lady says, now remember what I said when I pulled up in the driveway, God, you're going to have to touch the heart of the one. And she said, you know, Bonnie, she said, I just want to tell you, she said, I'm a Christian. Oh, wow. And she said, and when I prayed about you, she said, God touched my heart. And God told me to not worry about the money. God told me not to worry about whatever it is that I think that I need. You go ahead and move on in. Yeah. Let's look at why we need the revelation of God. Because when, when he, when Jesus, when the light of the world, when the one who gave it all for you, when he reveals himself to you, he is now real to you. In order to endure hardship and not give up when times are hard, I don't know about you, but I need Jesus to intercede on my behalf. 
The Bible says right now he is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and he is advocating for his sons and his daughters so that he understands and knows what we go through because he came here to understand what it is to be in the flesh. He came here and he walked among us. And he went through all of it. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus went to his hometown wanting to do miracles. And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to throw him off a cliff. Have y'all ever had family or friends where y'all did stuff for them and you wanted to bless them and they wanted to throw you off a cliff? Can I get an amen? amen. All through his ministry, he did nothing but write. And yet people hated him. He did nothing but write, but yet they betrayed him. He did nothing but write. And yet they left him at his greatest hour. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ went to that cross. When he was in the garden, he knew all about suffering. And he said, Father, he said, if it be your will, if it be your will, anybody here, have you ever done that? If it be your will, if it be your will, take this cup, take this suffering from me. And can I tell you, God said, no. Because what God had called him to, what God had called him to do for us, which was to suffer and to die and to shed his blood, was for a greater purpose. And I'm here to tell you that whatever suffering that you're going through, whatever it is that God is allowing you to go through, it is not about you! God is preparing you to be the blessing that God has called you to be. And if we are all about self, there is nothing that we really want to do for other folks. Can I, can I get an amen? amen? But God says in your suffering, you're going to learn how to lay down. In your suffering, you're going to learn how to die to self. In your suffering, you're going to learn how to call upon me. In your suffering, you're going to learn to understand that as much as you need me, they need me. And I'm going to... I'm going to give myself to you so that you can then give, give me to them. Amen? All right. So, when they banished him to the island of Patmos, they thought that they had shut down his testimony. <laughs> but the opposite happened. Because it was in John's suffering that God was able to draw as close to John as he ever had before. John was chosen to tell the end of God's story. Can you imagine what a privilege that was for John to understand that because he was faithful, that because he never surrendered in his suffering, that God blessed him to be able to write the book of Revelation, to be able to tell us that God is returning? We, we do not know. John will never know. Until, of course, God reveals his, his reward of, of, of every single soul that he touched because of his willingness to endure. And let me tell you, the battle of light and darkness, until God returns, it's going to continue to rage. And it's in the darkness and the discouragement that despair can attack. I don't know about you, but when, when we go through some stuff for Christ, it hurts. Can, can we just talk about it? I have gone through situations, I don't know about you, but I've gone through situations where I have found myself saying, I, I don't know if this is worth it. Can, can I get that real with y'all? 
Of course I know that Jesus loves me. Of course I know who God is. But in my humanity, I want to say, I don't know if this is worth it. This hurts. But John had something on the inside of him that nobody could touch. And guess what? If you know who God is, you've got it on the inside of you. And you know what it is? Hope. God has given us the hope to let us know that there is something greater to come. The hope of knowing that God is with us and he is for us. That is why the church is so important. Because there are people walking through those doors that are hopeless. Let's take a look at what God allows the church to be able to do. He lets us, his disciples, to fill the hopeless with his hope. Have you ever had anybody come alongside you in a moment where you needed hope? Somebody to give you an encouraging word, to wrap their arms around you, to hug you, to let you know that it was going to be all right? That's what the church is all about. And Hope Elam, I'm here to tell you, it gives people the strength to let them know they just need to hold on a little while longer. Hope is a light at the end of the tunnel. As God prepares you in your pain for his purpose, it's because he wants to show other people that you can persevere, that you can press, and that God will bring you through it. That is what God needs us to do, is to show people with our hope that they will make it to the other side. Let's take a quick look at verse 4. We're going to go ahead and take a look and see who was John writing this letter to. This will give us a, a background for this, for this book. It says the letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, which is now considered modern Turkey. The churches by name, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatra, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. There are many, many explanations as you read through and try to understand the book of Revelation, and I'm sure that we can all agree it's one of the most hardest and difficult books that God is ever asking us to read. And I don't know if you know this, but do you know that it's the only book that God attached a blessing to? In verse 3, it says, for those who read this book, to read it and to understand it and to obey it, he says, I'm assigning you a blessing. Because God knows that, if I can speak for y'all, anybody here like to just willingly do hard things? Really, Kiyoki? Really? Okay. All right. <laughs> No, and a lot of times in our life, we, we, we look at the difficult things and we say, yeah, we're going to skip that for today. And then tomorrow comes and tomorrow comes and we don't do that. But it's, it's in those difficult things that we gain the blessing. Amen? All right. The number seven you'll find all through the book of Revelation. And I believe that there are seven churches represented because seven is the number of completion for God. And I believe that writing to those seven churches lets every church know whether it was the first century, whether it was the fifth, whether it was the eighth, or we are all the way up to the 21st century. God is letting us know that his book and his truth is going to go forth in completion until Jesus Christ returns for his children. You know, in verse 5 and 6 of our text, John is basically saying this to us, and he was saying this to the church. I may have recorded all that you are reading, but what is being revealed was revealed to me by the Holy Spirit, 
and it was from Jesus Christ himself. Because he is the first to rise from the grave, understand that the Holy Spirit, after he was crucified, dead, and buried, the Holy Spirit came and Jesus Christ rose again. He was the first to rise from the dead. He was the first to let us know that we have eternal life. We are more than flesh and blood. God, our eternal creator, he is an eternal spirit. The Bible says that he was from yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's why it's so important for us to understand because one day the Bible says we will all leave this earth. Every single one of us. We're going to catch that plane <laughs> and we're going to land. We're going to land in death. And there is not one of us that's getting out of here alive. But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus Christ rose from the grave, hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the one that rose from the grave. And so the Bible says he alone will rule and reign. He lets us know. He says, listen, he said, God rose me from the dead. And for those who believe in me, he said, when I come back for you, he said, the first that are dead will rise to meet him in the air. And he said, and then we will rise to meet him and reign with him forevermore. Jesus Christ is the only sacrificial lamb. It is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is no one righteous. No, not one. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. The Bible says that we were born into sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, we were born into sin. And so the Bible says no one can come unto the Father but through me. We have to come to Jesus Christ because it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe it shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's why I love the old hymn, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's take a look at this scripture. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, and he will be revealed in these last times for your sake. This is the verse that gives us hope because it lets us know that the struggle will soon be over. Amen? And let's take a look at what John tells him in verse 7. He says, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him. Everyone will see him. You know, right now, if we step outside and we look up into the, to the sky, we can only see in part, right? We can't see it all. But the Bible says that miraculously, that on that day, everybody all over the world is going to see Jesus Christ. Every eye will see him. And that's going to include those who have come to know their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and those who have rejected his truth. And I'm here to tell you, this is the warning. The Bible says, what, what does it for us to gain the whole world and lose our own soul? When Jesus Christ returns, there's going to be no more time to repent. There will be no more opportunities for you to cry out to the name of Jesus. 
that will be that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? So, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you that there are moments of humanity, those spaces that we find ourselves between trust and doubt, between forgiveness and unforgiveness, between love and hate, between faith and fear. Anybody ever live in that space? And I'm here to tell you that it's real. And what we tend to do is we, we sit down on God. We tell him it's too much. It's too hard. And I don't know if I can do this. I don't know who this is for today, but God is telling you to take a step of faith forward and you've sat down on him. The fear of what is going on in your life has, has overtaken you. It's overwhelmed you. And you're going to have to make a choice. Over and over and over again, I make the choice to do the things that God has called me to do despite the fear. I'm not saying it's easy. And there are times where it takes me a little while longer. <laughs> but we've got to stand up. We've got to stand up for Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, you know the enemy that I talked to you about earlier? The only way that you're going to be able to overcome him so that God can rise you up from where you have sat down on him is you're going to have to understand and know that the word of God is the power it is the sword that will overcome the darkness and bring you into the marvelous light. And you've got to fight. You've got to fight for what God is calling you to. You've got to fight for the life that he has for you. And the only way that you do that is you've got to get up in his ugly mug. You've got to get up in his face. And you've got to tell him, listen, God chose me. I did not choose him. He chose me. I am not alone. Jesus is with me. When I walk into my church, I got brothers and sisters who love me, who are praying for me, who are with me, who are for me. Why do we sit down on God and let the enemy speak to us in such a way that paralyzes us from taking that step? We got to walk by faith. Amen? On the last slide, which is not up there, <laughs> it says this. It's the last scripture. We got to tell our enemy, did you not get the memo that he's coming back? And what he says is, here it is, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and the one who is still to come. I am the Almighty One. You already have the victory. So let's stand up. Let's praise Him for the victory that we already have in Christ Jesus. Amen?
Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.